0: This week, my heart has just been so overwhelmed to see what is happening. I know many of your hearts and minds have been torn towards Kentucky, and to see what God is doing there, and it's so special, really is so special. I don't know what it's going to become or what it will be, but I just sense the Lord's hand in it so strongly in that all the world is watching this kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. They thought they knew what church was about, and God says, no, I'm going to show them. People who will just dwell in my presence for hours upon hours upon hours in simplicity. No smoke, no No sensationalism, just God's people singing and praising and testifying and repenting, just similar to what's happening here this morning. The purity God's looking for. You know, a real move of God is is never real unless it's marked by repentance because he does a work of cleansing in us. The humility, no one trying to take the spotlight because the Lord wants it to be about him and no one else. The hunger, I'm going to say the hunger. Students and people seeking God and not wanting to leave canceling classes and campus activities to seek the Lord to dwell in his presence. It's so beautiful and it should spark something in us in our busy lifestyles that we've made no room. But God, we want to make room for you. The transformation, testimonies of people's lives being radically transformed they were wrecked with sin, depression, hopelessness and despair and they were radically touched by the love of God. They're confessing their sins, they're turning from their ways and choosing to follow Jesus. I was talking to my parents the other day and they, uh, was it, what's the name, was it Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and they both went there in 1970. Okay, it was the fall of 1970. And uh, the previous spring, two students from the Asbury Revival in 1970 came and spoke at their chapel. And then the Lord moved, and that chapel went on for hours and hours and hours, and many were saved. And so when they arrived at that campus in the fall, they came to a place that had been touched by the love and power of God, and what had been dead was coming to life. And so I don't know what's going to happen, but how many are excited to see the Holy Spirit moving on college campuses? Come on. This, this, these campuses have been the devil's playground. They've been preaching these doctrines of devil's God says, watch where I'm going to show up. There's a generation whose lives have been filled with confusion, despair, and hopelessness, and darkness, and they've had enough. I have a feeling they've had enough. The devil always overplays his hand. And where sin has abound, grace doth more abound. Come Come on. on. And I was just rejoicing this week. I called my friend, Pastor Cleve, and we were just rejoicing. We're just like, God, we don't know what God's up to, but it's good. We just know it's good. And he said, I found myself repenting and confessing as I'm watching this happen. And then I found myself turning towards campuses in my area going, God, bring it here. God, bring it here. What if there was a move of God that had no ministry, no name attached to it? It was just Jesus. It's his harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. He knows how to do it. I had a message this morning, and it's mostly been preached. But listen, I want... I was talking to my friend, Pastor Xavier, a couple weeks ago, and we were just talking about our hunger and desire to see God move, and and he said, he said you know, we've preached about revival and moves of God, and people want it genuinely. They, there's something inside they want God to move. They want to see God do something miraculous in their generation. But not everyone wants the expense of revival. So they, exp- they skip the expense to get to the experience. And Pastor Carolyn nailed it. It's 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by name, my name, will humble themselves, will turn from their wicked ways. There's no other way to God moving in our lives except we go through that path of humility, brokenness, and repentance, and turning to him. There's no other way. There's never been a revival, a sustained move of God that didn't start and and was sustained by that heart and that spirit. He responds to hungry, desperate people. And I made this statement to him. I said, this was on February 5th. No... No a true move of God cannot be manufactured. It cannot be manufactured. And trust me people have tried. And hey, I'm going to I'm going to say I'm proudly a charismatic pentecostal holy ghost sanctified man of God. But sometimes we get proud about our movement. And I find it so amazing that God is coming and moving in a conservative Methodist campus. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Us, us charismatics can be a little bit a charismatic, charismaniac a little bit sometimes. We've had excesses, right? But Jesus He's saying, this is, this is something I want to do. And I feel like he's just breaking forms and... And our fashions to some degree. So I've just been praying all week, Lord, how do you want us to respond? How do you want us to respond? Because I don't think this is limited to a geographical location. I believe what God wants to do in this hour is so much bigger and greater than what we think. And all I know is this that he responds to hunger and thirst. So, I've been just sitting in Isaiah 55, exhorted on it last week, as Pastor Sam was sharing out of Luke 19, when Jesus wept over Jerusalem, he said, if you had known in this day even you the things which make for peace, because that's what revival brings, reconciliation and peace. And someone commented, there's a generation who's dealing with more anxiety and mental health issues than any other generation. And every remark of what's happening in Kentucky is there's this amazing peace. Isn't that what they need? Isn't that what we need? We've been in three years of chaos and pandemic and madness in our world. God, Prince of Peace, just comes with his presence and so this, I'm going to just share a few things and then I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. But Isaiah 55, ho, oh, everyone who thirsts come to the waters, for come to the waters and you who have no money come three times. He says, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. That's the word of the Lord to us this morning. One is... Listen to him. Revival, revival always starts with invitation. You know our God is an inviting God. The Hebrew word for ho is meant to grab our attention. Turn to somebody and say, he wants your attention. The same word used for woe, it's uh, warnings by the prophets. But it's possible that we can not be paying attention. How many have been distracted in this this day and age, right? Other things come, and we miss what God is trying to say to us in the time and the hour that we're in. And the writer of Hebrews says this, he says, Today, if you will, what? Hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. I just feel like we're in a season where God is loudly saying, Ho, listen up. Just like he did, Jesus did on the in John chapter 7. I love this scene in John chapter 7 because there they were having the feasts. And they were on the last, the Bible says it was on the last day of the feasts. The Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Booths. And, and Jesus cries out, now on the last, he says, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, "If anyone is thirsty, have you heard that word today? Let him come to me and drink." I want you to see this picture, because they are there, and the priest each and every day would take these pictures, and they would go down from the temple to the pool of Siloam, and they would take water, and they would be chanting the whole way, and they would be singing a choral song, and they would come and 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 pour that water on the steps. And as they did, they sang out of Isaiah 12, 3, where it says, Therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. They were commemorating the Israelites' time in the wilderness. Remember where they were in the wilderness, and they were looking for water, and and Moses struck the rock, and the water came out. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, I think it is, that Jesus was that rock. (laughs) Come on. And he stands up, and they don't know if it was the eighth day or the seventh day. The commentators argue about this, but it doesn't matter because if it was on the eighth day, it was a solemn assembly and it was really quiet. And then Jesus says, If anyone's thirsty, come to me. Hey, you've been celebrating that, this form, this thing from the past, but come to me. Come to me. I'm him. Because they were celebrating in commemoration of the coming Messiah. And he said, No, I'm here. Come to me. And out of you shall flow rivers of living water. He spoke of the Spirit that would come. He's here. But when when they sang that song, Draw Waters from the Spring of Salvation, it was the word salvation was Yeshua. Come on. It's him. And I think we can be all about the right doctrines and the right forms, but miss the water. We can be all about the right doctrines and all the right forms, but miss the water. Jesus says, come to me. That's listen to him to come to him. Because then he, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 2 of Jeremiah says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. You know those things that we try to get life from? Other than Jesus. Are you still with me, church? We broke agreement with that slumber spirit. Come on is good. But you know what when, when he says come to me that means there's an action there's there's a we can't be passive. We don't wait for God. Some people are like I'm just waiting for God to do something. No. The balls in our court. He has done something. He did it 2000 years ago. Come on church. And he's doing something now. And see, there's if you're not hearing and you're not coming, you're going to miss it. But then isn't it interesting who he invites? <laughs> who he invites? God, it's always interesting to see who God chooses to invite into his blessings. And as if you've studied revivals, it's usually these desperate people who are at the top of his invite list. Desperate people, the thirsty. Now listen, this thirst speaks of a deep, heartfelt longing and desire. Longing and desire. Meaning, I can't survive without it. I can't just go on doing BAU church. I want to thirst for you in the living God. Your true living water. What I've had is not adequate. No, nothing this world can offer, no success, no amount of money, no relationship, nothing else will satisfy. Only thirsty people come to the waters. People who don't thirst don't recognize the thirst of their soul, like, like David did in Psalm 63 when he said, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, O oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. Come on, there's some themes, themes the Holy Spirit's on this morning. Maybe it's this afternoon already. All right, we're getting there. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land. There is no water as the deer pants. It says in Psalm 42:1, for the water brooks. Do you have this in you? Are you yearning for him? So my soul pants for you, O God. God, give us a deeper yearning. God, give us a deeper desire for you, a thirsting after you, Jesus. It was like the woman at the well, and Jesus encounters her in John chapter 4, and she's just coming to get water like she does each and every day. And he said, if you knew Come on. If she would drink of the living water, she'd never thirst again, but the water that he would give would become a well of water springing up to eternal life. Do you know what her response was? We should learn from her. Give me this water. Give me this water. See, she thought she thirsted for one thing then god said i know i have something greater and then a new thirst began to come up in her come on i'm not talking about water i'm talking about a spiritual refreshing and i love this man the spirit of the lord is so so good what lisa shared if you're content with the status quo you're not thirsty If you're satisfied with Sunday-only churchianity, you're not thirsty. Thirsty people drink. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased. So he calls the thirsty, but then he calls the broke. Anyone broke? And you who have no money, come. You see, bankrupt and penniless people have no means to acquire what they need. Can we acknowledge this? We don't have, we can't acquire what we need. It's been acquired for us and we receive it. Poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's that just wanting, that's that longing, that's like, oh Lord, it's, I just, I'm broke without you. Would you hear him? Would you come to him this morning? Then thirdly, he says, buy from him. Buy from him. Those are without money. The prophet now invites to buy. What a paradox. You don't have money, but you're invited to buy. How do you buy something without money? Because it's already been paid for. It's already been secured. Jesus already paid the price and purchased it. but there is a cost to us because the Bible says he who saves his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Like the merchant who had found the pearl of great price, he sold everything so that he could buy that pearl. Sold out for him. That's how we buy, and we buy by faith. The currency of heaven is faith. The currency of heaven is faith. I wonder if somebody this morning could get hold of faith. Because Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently what? Pray. Seek him. Seek him. And then he says, what are we to buy? It's wine and milk. The wine is emblematic of the blessings of salvation. It makes the heart glad. He has made me glad. Can somebody testify this morning? Salvation that brings joy, unspeakable joy and full of glory. If you've never experienced that, today's the day. But it can only happen after repentance and turning. That's when we have that joy. It's undoubtedly available to us in him. That's the wine of the Holy Ghost. Come on. But then he says milk. But milk speaks to what nourishes and strengthens us and causes us to grow. Just as Peter said, he said, he said like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. Because when God revives you, when, God begin, when you be- get thirsty and he begins to pour out his living water in your life, you get a, a, a thirst and a hunger for his word. And you grow. And he says, buy and eat. He prepares food for those who are hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I told Pastor Xavier, I said, hungry people get fed. Did you hear that? Hungry people get fed. The thing is, is we just have to adjust our appetites. We've had appetites for other things. All right, got quiet. Hungry people get fed. How many know that when you buy something and you really purchase it, you have a proof of purchase? And the proof of purchase is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The fullness of the life that Jesus has for you. The prophet then asked this. He says, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Look, we've gone through the menu of life and finally concluded that the world has truly nothing to satisfy us. The substitutes that promised fulfillment and satisfaction such as relationships, prominence, acceptance, riches, and recognition have left us wanting. But God's menu is simple, Jesus. He's all we need. He's all we'll ever need. And he's more than enough for the longing of your soul. John 6, 27, Jesus said this, this way says, do not work for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to internal life which the son of man will give to you for on him the father son as father god has set his seal has set his seal the bible says man shall not live by bread alone but by every man that proceeds every word that proceeds from the mouth of god God wants to be speak. God is speaking afresh to us. Are we hearing it? But the Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. That's what David cried. I shall not want. He gives me everything I need. And He has put within us a yearning, a longing for Him, a God shaped void that can only be filled by Him. Quit trying to fill it with something else. You'll never be satisfied. And finally this. I'm going to read Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. I'm going to close. But seek the Lord while he may be found. You heard it. Pastor John shared it. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. I mean, God's just been doing this this morning. If you need an explanation, it's here in Scripture. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. Look at the promise when we seek him. He will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts. He continues this thought. For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's not condemning you. He's saying, if you'll trust me, I'll give you my thoughts. And they're so much better than your thoughts. How many here can testify to that? Because my thoughts kind of drive me crazy sometimes. But his thoughts are life and peace. His thoughts towards me are like the sands of the sea, it says in Psalm 139. Many are his thoughts. So lastly, we we hear him, we listen to him, we come to him. We buy from him, but we seek him. You see, he's just spoken of the Messiah. He said, listen to me carefully, and I will establish a covenant with you. A covenant with you. Faithful to the... Faithful mercies shown in accordance with the faithful mercies shown to David. David. His loving kindness revealed to us the person of Christ who is our leader and the commander for other peoples. Can we just do this commander? He's he's in charge, not us. He now implores all people, Gentiles included, to seek him. When God comes near like he is doing now, our response is to seek him even more earnestly than we have before in past seasons. I want to say this. While he can be near at all times, the Bible says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's something, there's seasons where he comes and visits us uh, corporately in a special way. For those who've experienced that, you know this and you know that they don't always last. Sometimes, I mean, it's not because God stops it, it's because man stops it. And man stops it when he tries to control it or he tries to take the glory or he tries to take the honor. It's his Glory. But when he's coming near corporately, like I believe he is in this season, he calls to us to seek him while he may be found. How many have had dry seasons where you're seeking the Lord and you just don't feel it? You feel like you're far and he's not with you. You just don't feel it. But then there's times where he comes with his tangible presence and manifest presence in a special way to his church. Seek him while he's near. Then he says, Forsake our ways. You know there's a way that seems right to man, but its way end is death. Our ways and our behaviors can be seen and judged by others, but our thoughts he sees. So he says, forsake let the wicked man forsake his ways and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. You see, everything starts with a thought. It becomes an idea. It becomes a thought. It becomes an action eventually. And Jesus comes and and he he clarifies, right? Some say he raised the bar, but it was always God's intent. He was always after the heart. He says... If you lust after a woman in your heart, you have already committed adultery. Proverbs 23 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. God is concerned with our thoughts. We can put on a good show. Come on. We can look all Christian and got it together. Come on. Somebody asks you, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Come on. We've done it. I'm good. Nothing to see here. Move on. the reality is God's like I see and I still love you I still love you it's amazing he still loves us the way he does but the promise is he will greatly pardon us he will forgive us he will come on if we'll seek him and so I don't know how you need to respond to this we're just going to worship and just stay in the presence of the Lord we were supposed to take an offering or something so you guys can do that in the back there. Maybe the ushers can just have your collect that as we go. I don't know. Here's what I want to say to you. Don't take his invitation lightly. Don't take his invitation lightly. There's a seriousness and an urgency to respond to him. Don't neglect his invitation. Keep coming. Keep buying keep seeking don't doubt his invitation his promises for his mercy are available to all his only conditions are that you are thirsty, broke and devoid of your own resources and willing to receive his blessings by faith seek him while he may be found can we stand to our feet